This episode of Four Finger Discount is brought to you by Big Roddy's Rip and Rib Shack, Brisbane's home of delicious barbecue. Roddy's Rib Shack is one of Brisbane's favourite barbecue places. They serve up delicious food, not only ribs, but they do great burgers. They do veggie burgers, so they cater for all sorts. And you'll save 10% off your food and drinks bill with the code, it's a secret. Roddy's Ribs is also available for group bookings and functions. Head to bigroddysribs.com to find out more. Four Finger Discount, dude. Welcome to Four Finger Discount, the very special 150th episode spectacular. I am Dando. I am Mitch. Now, we are not in the same room, are we, Sir Grinter? We're not in the same room. We're not even in the same postcode. I am all the way down the bottom of Victoria, uh, and I mean that both figuratively and literally, in the sleepy hamlet of Portland. How do you think this episode's going to go, being apart from each other? Uh, well, the reason we uh, we chose to do the mailbag, the special mailbag for the 150th episode instead of Who Shot Mr. Burns is because that episode is such a you know, defining episode for the series, and we weren't too sure how this sort of setup was going to go. We wanted to make sure that we gave that episode justice, but yeah. I have faith that we're going to be able to pull this off. I, I'm sure we'll be fine with this uh, as well, and I, I. but at the same time, I, I think that, yeah, Who Shot Mr. Burns deserved us to be in the same room so we could physically fight over any confrontations that we may have had, any, any you know, vif- uh, differing viewpoints. Um, just in general, I feel like it needed the love and tenderness that I can only give when I'm looking into your eyes, whereas the mailbag episode, <laughs> I can get that same love and tenderness from Facebook. Well, there's just so many visual gags. They put so much effort into that episode that we just don't... We want to make sure we don't miss anything, basically. Because we don't want to have all the listeners messaging us saying, you forgot to mention this and you forgot to mention that. Because they like to do that, don't they, Mitch? Uh, Do they ever. Um, (laughs) Which is a good thing. (laughs) Mispronounce a word and you'll be hearing about it for weeks. (laughs) We got a message this week from a new listener saying about the French and the frog gag from back in season one. Can you believe it? Oh, is that still happening? I didn't see that come through. I came through on the Facebook page, which has been going gangbusters this week. Those sugar memes, my lord. <laughs> yeah, I've had to mute them, I'll be honest. But <laughs> it's been funny that it's like a ratio of... Oh, it's that classic Moe's moment, uh, like um, Flaming Mo, where a few people are really sick of the sugar memes. And it's that, that's it, I'm unsubscribing as thousands of people <laughs> are subscribing. You're like, oh, well, sorry to lose you, bud. But, you know, the people are voting with their feet. Yes, it's kind of fitting too that this being our 150th episode that we actually cracked 150,000 likes this week on Facebook. So thanks for everybody for all your support. We couldn't, I can't believe that in less than three years we've actually been able to crack 150,000 followers on Facebook. It's incredible. It's pretty cool. I, I still feel like that's something that means more to other people than me. Not, not as does, in that I yeah. don't... Not that I don't respect that and love that, but I don't think about it until someone else comes up to me and is like, holy shit, do you do that thing? Like, that's got 150,000 followers. Like, yeah. And that's when it kind of dawns on me. I'm like, oh, yeah. It's all about perception. It makes us, makes us look important. We're not important, but it makes us feel and look important. That's what matters. No. Well, in this town, I might be considered important. Um, <laughs> I have to say that I was wandering around Portland looking at the locals and when I'm out in the country of Australia it really makes me think of how uncountry I am and mm. what popped into my head that suddenly nailed it for me was Jor-El's speech from the beginning of Superman where he's like though you have been raised as a human being you are not one of them <laughs> <laughs> give us an give us an example <laughs> Uh, well, I okay. So I wander up and down the streets of Port, like as I, as I was walking around the streets of Portland and saw someone with um, 
Jean, like, or just that, like, you know, Jean's lots of facial hair and big, bulging kind of blokey arms and eating a hot dog, and this was the mother of the family. And <laughs> that's the moment where I'm like, they can be a great people, Kal-El. They wish to be. They just lack the light to show them the way. <laughs> if there's any listeners in Portland, we apologise for Mitch's comments. <laughs> I think there is one, actually. Um, I, I and it's the woman with big arms. <laughs> yeah. um, but the other thing that I loved, I've checked into the hotel and I'm talking to the concierge. I'm like, so... Can you give me any recommendations? Like, I'm here for a few nights. Where should I go for dinner? I've never been in town. And she's, she's, well, she's gone. So there's Max. That's the pub on the corner. They do a really good palmy. <laughs> of course they do. <laughs> then there's another pub just down the road from there. The palmies there aren't too bad. And the RSL, they've really lifted their game. The palmies are great at the moment. It's all palmies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I bet you if you go there, they all say best palmy in town as well. Um, uh, I, I didn't actually see that advertised. Uh, bizarrely, the Max Pub had a um, Who Framed Roger Rabbit poster of Jessica Rabbit. Um, which oh, you I need felt, to go there. But that's probably the most modern movie reference you could get away with <laughs> in Portland. There's no references to the castle? No, uh, just daily life. I think everyone's trying to live it out. <laughs> <laughs> live vicariously. So what are we going to be doing this episode? We've got the big mailbag. So we asked people in the uh, in the exclusive Patreon group, didn't we, mm-hmm. which was going great. I, you mentioned before that you don't feel that the page is too special, but this Facebook group we've got going is great, isn't it? The Patreon page, I feel like I feel more pride about the hundred and forty odd people that are in that than I do about the hundred and fifty thousand following Four Finger Discount, because these are people who are genuinely committed fans, and it's 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 just effing amazing. Yeah, and they're just engaging with each other about The Simpsons. I just like to sit back and just watch them converse. It's awesome. Yeah, I'm, I'm in the same boat. It's cool to chime in every now and then, but it's just like if I would even say that like for, for two bucks a month, if you feel like your life is lacking in Simpsons communication and Simpsons chat with your friends, join up on Patreon, get the access code and dive in because this is just a cool little community within a community. It's fantastic for sure. Alrighty, and at the end of today's episode, the other thing we're going to be doing is going to be giving you all a little bit of a treat, a little sneak peek at the interview from our book, Homer's Odyssey in a Big and Simpsons Guide, which is available now at all good bookstores mm-hmm. and online, uh, with Bill Oakley, who was the showrunner at the time of the episodes that we're actually reviewing right now, including next week, Who Shot Mr. Burns Part 1. We're not going to play the entire interview, we're just going to play a portion of it, but if you want access to the full interview, it's going to be uploaded to our Patreon page later this week, the full interview, which is also transcribed in our book, but you can listen to it, you can hear Bill speak on Patreon, so patreon.com slash discount later in the week, that'll be available to people who are patrons. So we're going to end today's episode with just a small portion, maybe we'll, should we get the bit, Mitch, where he talks about who shot Mr. Burns? I guess that's relevant, considering we're reviewing it next week. I would think that would be the most appropriate spot, yeah. Yeah, I think actually my favourite part of the interview is where you were discussing steamed hams with him. It's really insightful. My favourite part of the interview is where he said that he and I were on the same mental page. Yeah, I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> I nearly exploded out of my pants. <laughs> Maybe I'll find that bit and I'll play I, it for the, I believe the word. There. I believe the word simpatico was used. And, yeah, it was uh, when you were discussing Radio Bart, was it not? Uh, yes, it was. I was saying that that was one of my favourite season three episodes, and it's his favourite season three episode. Yeah, um, yeah. I nearly got Simpatico tattooed on my wrist after that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's great. But as we we'll get getting back to the Facebook group, so you posted in the group earlier this week that we're not going to be able to do the full episode review, or we could have done it if we wanted to, but we chose not to, and we're just going to do a mailbag, and we asked for their questions, and they've sent plenty of questions through. We're going to get through as many as we can, plus a few that have come like, through on the, on the email as well. There's close to 30. 
Um, there's more. No, there's more, man. There's more. Okay. Well, there's more than 30, uh, including, <laughs> including email. There's certainly more, but I was thinking of holding off some of the email ones until oh, sure. next yeah, yeah. week because they yep. are largely, you know, like the, the more of your um, episode-based yes. uh, questions. Whereas these, we said, no holds barred, throw anything you want at us. Some of them are Simpsons related. Some of them are absolutely bizarre and obscure. And some of them I really can't wait to answer. It's going to be a lot of fun. Okay, cool. So Let's get are, into you it. Happy, are you happy to crack in? Let's do it. Beautiful. Jordan Macy Smith uh, commenced proceedings. There, his question was, was there anyone that you think would be would have been more appropriate to have shot Mr. Burns? The original plan was for them to... They were going to choose Barney. I, mm. think, I think anyone would have been better than Maggie. That's my opinion. Because I get that the show was, by that point, like no realism existed in the show. But still, the fact that the baby did it just seemed like a bit of a cop-out to me. I don't see it. I don't necessarily see Maggie as a cop out personally, and I, and I also don't think that you know she hasn't actually physically pulled the trigger. I think it's more of that thing of like you drop a gun on the ground and the gun goes off. It just happened to hit her hands, and the gun went off. Yeah. Um, as for who would have been more appropriate, I mean, Mo springs to mind. Uh, Mo could have gone all Michael Douglas falling down style and not only take out Mr. Burns but take out five or six other of the townspeople. Definitely. Um, Principal Skinner would have been cool. Skinner would have been like had a little Nam flashback. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, so sort of he's even though technically I guess and he never actually went to the army or did he go to the army? I can't remember that episode where he becomes arm and Tamsian. Was he actually in the army at that point? Uh, yeah, he yeah, he was. did go to the army. And then yeah, he was in the army. So back, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's right. So yeah, Skinner could have been channeling, channeling his uh, his army days. Someone else would have been funny. Um, if it had been completely accidental, like Fat Tony uh, is in... Who didn't mean to do it. Yeah, like they're just playing... Um, oh, may, maybe not Fat Tony. Maybe Groundskeeper Willie and who else? Um, someone uh, someone bizarre. Bizarre. Uh, yeah. Groundskeeper Willie and the angry, um, not superintendent, but the guy that comes along with superintendent. Charles Leopold. Sometimes. Leopold. Yeah. They're playing a game of Russian roulette. And they've gone through all six shots in the chamber and none of them worked. And they're like, what the hell's going on? And they point the gun away, fire it. And that's when it happens. And Burns happens to be walking past a door at the time. We'll move on. Dave Cook has a completely random one. He and his mates watch a movie every... uh, Sorry, they have a movie night every week. And they pretty much always watch classic martial arts and action films. They prefer practical stunt work over CGI. His question, what is your favourite action slash martial arts film of all time and even recently? Recently, for me, is John Wick. I was going to say, it's it's impossible to go past John Wick. Keanu is just the man. He did so much training for those films. Yeah, I said I haven't even read into the backstory of what went on, but you know it had to be a lot because he's so goddamn fluid in them. He just looks at home with a gun in his hand and with equally with a sledgehammer in his hand. Like, it didn't matter what weapon of death they gave him, he was up to the task. We were discussing that film last night at work and. Arguably, in my opinion, it's one of the best action movies of the last decade, the John Wick film. Mm-hmm. Have you seen the second one as well? Uh, no, I'm yet to see the second one. Okay. I've actually got it on my laptop, though, yep. uh, for a bit of entertainment while I'm down here in Portland, it's, so it's I'm, bit, I'm hoping to watch it soon. It's a bit more of the same, but that's a good thing. You know, I just no, like, I, I, I like films where I can just switch my brain off and it's just a guy getting revenge and killing people. <laughs> yeah. You don't kill a man's dog. No, that's that's uh, that's the beauty of it. It wasn't car. just kill, it wasn't just you know killing his wife or you know kidnapping his children. He killed his dog, and it's like no, mm. you just do not do that. 
it still has my favorite thing uh one of my favorite threats uh, or not even a threat actually it's like the opposite of a threat but it's that you know um, i believe you struck my son yes i did do you mind telling me why well he beat up john wick stole his car and he killed his dog and then the long pause <laughs> from the dad and oh <laughs> yes <laughs> or the realization when he admits that he's this car belongs to john wick the guy's like get that car out of here now <laughs> yeah uh, cool role for John Leguizamo, actually. He should appear in more movies like that, just two or yep. three minutes on the side. Yep. <laughs> because I always enjoy seeing him in a movie. <laughs> um, favorite of all time, it's really hard to go past Predator for the same kind of, I want to drink six beers and watch a movie with mates and laugh. You call Commando. that martial arts film or just, just action? He said martial, well, he said martial arts and action. Okay, but, okay. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm taking that as an and or. Yep, yep. Uh, and the raid, yes, the raid, um, the oh, that's Indonesian great. That is a great film. film. So good. It's it's similar to John Wick. It's just a dude getting revenge, getting making mm. his way to the top of a building to the boss. Yeah. It's like a video yeah, game. Exactly. It is. It, it is exactly like a video game. It's the simplest story you can possibly tell, but told with so much flourish. Yeah. Uh, I also, this isn't an entire movie, and the movie on on it's like in the whole probably isn't as great as I wanted it to be, but the movie Hannah with Eric Banner, there's a really sweet tracking shot where he takes out, I think six or seven different dudes in a subway station or something like that. Okay. Um, and it, it kind of just rises above the rest of the movie. It's a very cool thing to take out of it. And I will also plump votes for Kick-Ass if we're going to open it up to your full-on it, action movies. It's more fun, it's, that, that film, isn't it? It's not your, it's not your normal action film. No, it's not. But it's still got those moments of like Nicolas Cage clearing the warehouse, Hit Girl coming in and first taking out all of the goons, and then that outrageous hallway sort of corridor gunfight towards the end. Oh, oh, shit. Sorry, gunfights have reminded me. Shoot 'em up is also um, shoot 'em up probably even better than John Wick when it comes to just switch your brain off and have a huge amount of fun at people getting shot. Yeah, who, who's in that film? Who's Clive Owen, Paul Giamatti? Yep. Oh, great. Cool. Two great actors. Yeah. Yes, uh, hamming it up like you wouldn't believe. Um, uh, oh, wait, includes... I know the film you're talking about now, of course. Yes, yeah, this is be... one where Cli- Clive Owen kills a man with a carrot and mm-hmm. delivers the line, eat your vegetables. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> we should probably, if we're talking action films, just before we get to the next question, I mm. think Terminator 2 fits in there. Oh, yeah, 100%. That, that's one of the all-time, like, sets a template for, for, or set a template for action films throughout the entire 90s. That was never bettered, but often imitated. Definitely on the Keanu Reeves subject as well. Speed. Oh, you love uh, speed and point break. <laughs> speed and point break. Caught my first tube today. <laughs> uh, speed will always have a place in my heart. I love that film. <laughs> uh, Henry Saba. He's written in. You're sitting down to a meal at Big Roddy's Rip and Rib mm. Shack. What do you order? Oh, what's on the menu, sir? <laughs> Just... I order one of everything and yes. I don't leave until it's done. We'll have one of everything and do not. we will not leave until one of us is dead. As long as I'm covered <laughs> in delicious barbecue sauce, I don't care. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you seriously can't go wrong. Everything on that menu is delicious and we are very hopeful to... We'll see what happens, but there, there is some talks of perhaps a visit up to Queensland to see Roddy himself. And doing um, a live, we'll do like live a review. <laughs> four-finger discount versus food, uh, which I'm looking forward to. I really want to do the Adam Richmond thing where I get to go in the kitchen and, and, and you know, like get to prepare the ribs myself or something like that or mix the sauce, whatever it might be. I can do that. But what oh, happens if you try and teach Roddy how to cook it? 
that's so going to happen. Oh, it's going to end badly. <laughs> oh, Roddy, are you sure that's how you... All right, then. It's your name on the board. <laughs> and then it cuts to you away in another studio saying, like, I tried to tell him what to do, but the guy just wouldn't listen. And then it cuts back to you. <laughs> uh, Jason Cannon wants to know if we know where his remote is. No. Uh, Have you checked also, the pockets? Jason, your remote, there's every chance that it's with my room key, wherever the hell that ended up last night. Um, oh, really? You lost your key? That before I check out. I think it's around somewhere. I, I know I didn't go out with it, so it has to be around somewhere. Um, is it, so you, also, you, you, you know, I was just going to say, you know, you're in the country when you get given a key and not a swipe card. <laughs> oh no, no, no! It's an access card. They're, okay, they're it's okay. <laughs> okay. I'm staying at the, I'm staying at the Quest, Dando. It's fine. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, that's that's because I was first going to stay at an Airbnb, but quote, nah, I can't have you down Thursday and Friday because I'm off to Warnable. <laughs> um, his other question is, what are some of your memories of watching Who Shot Mr. Burns as a kid? He remembers it being a real fir- uh, the first real cliffhanger that he'd cared about. Mm. Um, other- well, other than the Green Candle episode of Power Rangers, I don't remember that specific Oh, one. mate, no, that's true. That is true. Jason was <laughs> fucked. <laughs> um, well, that and every Batman episode ever for the first two seasons. Like, yeah, the animated series. Ended on a cliffhanger. No, no, not the animated series, the Adam West Burt Word. Oh, Burt did it really? Ward. Yeah. Yeah, virtually everyone would end with Batman and Robin trapped in some variety, and then they'd escape within the first five minutes of the next episode. And oh, then, so it was you know, an, like a continuation, was it? Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, they all, all the episodes were named in rhyming couplets. Um, I can't remember them off the top of my head, but if you have a look through the episode list, like each two comes in a, a block that rhyme. Yep. Um, so it's like, stay tuned yeah. next week to see if Batman can escape. Is that how it always yeah. ended? Okay. Oh, what about, um, I, I remember as a kid, Empire Strikes Back was a bit of a cliffhanger. Yeah, yeah, fair. Um, certainly the first cliffhanger that I remember in a movie. Yep. And yeah, probably even from TV now that you mention it. Um, I do remember, I don't remember as much about watching the episode itself as I remember about the build-up to watching the episode. I remember being really, really desperately excited for a TV episode to come on, probably for the first time ever. Like, I'd never taken notice of TV promotion before or, like, the ramp-up to an episode coming on. It just, I sat down and the episode was on. This is the first time I remember, and they had, like, you know, we've spoken about the America's Most Wanted special that they did. It's the first time I remember it being a real event. It's the first time I remember, for example, the radio stations talking about The Simpsons. You know, it was like, oh, even even adults are interested in this. You know, it's not just it's not just this show I watch with my friends. It's everyone wants to be involved to work out who mm. shot Mr. Burns. My memory would have been, we only, we had two TVs in the house, and we had the Landrum one, and Mum wasn't interested and they were in watching both the Simpsons. on the Simpsons. No, Mum Mum was not interested. So we got sent. They had they had the second room, their second TV in their bedroom. So I still remember okay. my sister and I sitting there, Mum and Dad's bed, with our pen and notepad, writing down all the clues to see if we can try and work out who it was. And I was just. <laughs> I I was certain it was Smithers. I just no, no buts about it. It was going to be Smithers, and I was filthy that I was wrong. <laughs> Do you think that there's any chance that your parents were having sex during that 22 minutes, Dando? Of <laughs> just well, guaranteed that you were going to be in front of the TV. <laughs> <laughs> right, Johnny, <laughs> six o'clock. Let's get there. <laughs> yep, he's distracted. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> you like, Mom? I figured it out. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> You know, speaking of my father, actually, do you know, they must have leaked who it was before it aired here because we would have been on delay by a few months at that point, I would assume. I think we still are mm. on delay. But I remember my dad actually saying, it's the baby. And I remember thinking, yeah, right. dad, you have no idea. You don't even watch the show as if it's the baby. 
<laughs> but he you're was, a fool, old man. Yes, and for a while he had he goes, see, I told you, I told you, he, he had me fooled. I thought he was a genius. <laughs> <laughs> um, Keith and Ed in real life, Homer. Uh, his question we've already answered about: Do we think Maggie could really pull the trigger? Um, no. But he has he's been talking about opening up opening up his own bakery for some mm. time uh, on the group, and he's come up with a pretty ingenious name. As much as it means you have to pronounce the word scone in a way that I don't enjoy saying it out loud, but uh, he's going to open a bakery called the Scone Cutters. Well, that that's good. that's a great name, and that's how English people say scone. They say scone. Nicholas says scone. Yeah, Keith's not English, but yes, I yes. know yes. there are. A, I, actually, I think a lot of Americans say scone as well. Possibly, I guess because the scone came across from England to America. But interestingly, yeah. they didn't keep yogurt. They went with yogurt. Yeah, that's true. But scone cutters is a fantastic name. Scone Sh- cutters is a brilliant name. Surely, there's someone out there that's already using that. Has to be. Google it. Ah. <laughs> uh, yeah, possibly there is, but I think with small business, you, you don't have to have an entirely no. unique name as long no, as it's within, as long as it's unique in your area. Yeah, definitely. Um, would we take a special trip just to say that we've been there? A special trip all the way across the world would be an expensive special trip, but I can promise you, Keith, if you have that bakery and I'm ever in the States, I will make sure that I get a trip around, and yes, we will gladly sign the uniform. Here, here. Um, oh, hang on, no, sorry. He said that we would, he would give us a uniform so that we could wear it with pride, even better. Oh, wow. Uh, but I'll, I'll sign it anyway. Um, <laughs> Jacob Meat, uh, he has a couple questions, being a little bit selfish, Jacob. What is the most irritating logic error in an episode that you think about, uh, that when you think about it, it kind of ruins the episode? Um, so for him, it's brother from another series where Sideshow Bob gets out of prison to work for his brother building the hydroelectric dam. Why would a town with a nuclear power plant even need one? Uh, and, as if, and if they did, as if Burns would let them. That's actually a really smart logical point that i'd never considered well done jacob <laughs> i try to ignore the logic like i remember when we were first doing the reviews i was pointing at the logic holes and you were just like enough enough with the logic dando no one cares i think um, there was there was an episode a couple of weeks ago that we reviewed i remember i pointed something out it was towards the end it was something skinner related it might have been the one where the pta disbands mm. and something happened and we said this this makes the whole episode make no sense I'll have to look at it again. Off the top of my is head, it, logic hole. Do you is have it one? something about the time frame or something like that? Um, uh, I mean, really, how did Mo get a whale into the back of Mo's? <laughs> yeah, all those kind of things, yeah. His uh, second question was, are there any characters that you dislike so much that you want to skip an episode that's based around them? When I was younger, it was Lisa. I yeah. just did not like Lisa episodes at all. Love them now. Um, character I don't like... Uh, Otto? I just don't like the character of Otto. Yeah, I mean, we we both were on the same page there with the Otto show. It's not that I don't like him, it's just that he doesn't have enough substance to sustain much more mm. than a scene with his presence in it. Yeah, too much of his voice is just very graining. Yeah. Poochie? <laughs> is that too much of a <laughs> to say Poochie? Roy? <laughs> Uh, Dando, what episode of The Simpsons will you use to introduce your child to the show with? That's a really good question from Kynan Mugford. Well, I was actually going to ask your advice on this, Mitch. So, as we, as we all know, I'm having a child. Yeah. Do I start from the start or do I pick some of the classic episodes to make them like the show and then take them back to the start? No, I think start from the start, but at a young age. That's what I they're, think. When they're impressionable and they're just happy to watch a cartoon on the TV. Yep, yep. Yeah. I think that's what my plan was, but I didn't know whether, because Nicholas said, yeah, but they don't look very good. I was like, yeah, but maybe we should try and make them show the best, funniest ones first. But I think we should build up to the funnier ones. Yeah. Well, and the early ones probably had more visual comedy anyway. Yeah. Like the faces are a bit wacky and that sort of thing. So there's probably more in there that a younger person would laugh at. 
I was going to say you could go a step further and you know how they recommend playing like classical music to babies in the womb. Maybe you should get a big pair of headphones and put on Springfield Soul Stew or pod, uh, <laughs> sorry, um, songs in the key of Springfield and just start pumping it into the kid now. You say that like oh, I haven't already got that plan. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that and the Star Wars soundtrack, man, it's already booked. <laughs> Gavin Lang wants to know what's a battle. <laughs> that kid just said what's a battle. <laughs> no, he said what's that rattle. <laughs> Uh, Jacob Meat, what are your plans for the future of Four Finger Discount? We want to keep it going for as long as you guys are interested in listening. Um, yes. Will it keep going once the baby's once the baby's here? I imagine it will, providing yeah. you know you can juggle your life, and it might it might take a different format or something like that. But um, you know, the, we certainly don't have any plans on stopping. You're going to hear a baby crying throughout the episode, but that's about it. That's yeah. the only difference. Yeah. There might be more episodes done like this. Like once we get the hang of doing this remotely and if this works well, we might do this a bit more. So, you you know, you don't have to be as much time away and that sort of thing. But yeah. Yeah. And, and just for the, for the bigger, more important ones, we'll just meet up just so it feels special. Hmm. Um, Jake Taylor. Ooh, spoiler alert before I even read this out. The reveal of who shot Mr. Burns could be considered as one of the biggest twists in The Simpsons, if not TV We've history. already spoken about it. <laughs> no, no, no. The spoiler is coming. Um, oh, okay. So his question, what is your favorite twist out of any TV or movie? So I'm, ah, I'm going okay. to name mine. Mine is from The Usual Suspects. Um, mm-hmm. Jake's that was one of mine. Jake's Jake Taylor's is from the end of the Prestige because it makes you view the movie in an entirely different light. Um, and I'm also going to throw in the ending of The Force Awakens, which is a bit more recent. So if you have not watched that, maybe just hit your podcast skip forward button about a minute or so. Um, but yeah, so Usual Suspects, Kaiser Soze, the way that's acted is just fucking phenomenal i could i've probably watched that a hundred times because i studied it in media studies and i never get sick of the way kevin spacey just cracks his knuckles straightens his walk up and then disappears forever um now if you, if you go back and watch the film does that twist make sense does it fit the way it was filmed like yeah. is there no sort of continuity errors or plot holes or anything there are by revealing there, that twist? there are because, but it's fine because of the fact that it's the unreliable narrator like the entire story that he's been spitting this cop has been full of shit Apart from oh, it's a bullshit story, of course. Apart yeah. from a couple of key plot points um, about yep. you know so and so did actually die, but yeah, so he can do whatever he wants. But like it, it yeah, it, it doesn't undo anything. Um, and I really loved the the end of the Force Awakens. So we're back on the Force Awakens. If you've just skipped to this, skip ahead again. Um, twist. I want to know what this twist is. <laughs> Luke being a hol- like a projection of himself at the very end. Oh, that's that's Last Jedi, dude. Oh, whoops. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck's the Force Awakens twist? <laughs> Sorry. Clearly, I meant Last, I meant last Jedi. But Luke, Luke being yep. revealed to be a, yeah, a projection and the fact that that's the way he dies, that he basically sacrifices himself to create this myth of Luke Skywalker that's going to drive the Resistance forward in years to come. Like that's, it, it's a, it was a cool twist because I didn't see it, but it's also really cool because it kind of gives more weight to the end of that movie. The first twist I can remember truly getting me and making me go holy shit well I did not see that coming hmm. was and this is because I've, just before I'd seen The Usual Suspects it was uh, the first Saw film yeah. where the body turns out to be the killer yeah. that got me man I was like holy sh-. I was like, I nearly stood up and gave it a round of applause <laughs> <laughs> I, I'll never tr- I'll never trust another dead body ever again no never <laughs> but when, when it's just that body it's, it's uh, out of focus in the background you see it standing up you're just like oh, yeah. it's him yeah <laughs> Um, I'll tell you what, you go back to the first season of 24, the twist that Nina was actually the mole. 
Oh, see, I've never watched 24. Okay. But... Well, there you go. Nina's the mom. Um, <laughs> comes from nowhere. Or the twist that ruined, uh, that my mate gave away to ruin Dexter for me, that the ice truck killer was his brother. Um, the, like, these are all things that, yeah, just will will stand out in my head forever. Um, I love a twist I think that doesn't go, feel... Go, go. I was going to say, I love a twist that doesn't feel cheap. It doesn't undo it. It just completely makes you view everything in a different light. And my final yes, one is the crying game, finding out that the chick is a dude. Oh, that, that's, that made a lot of men cry, I think. <laughs> yeah, oh. But it's so... You'd never guess in a million years. It made, made many men question themselves. <laughs> Alistair Danik uh, writes in, do you think that The Simpsons should have done more cliffhanger season finales? Yes. Or maybe not. Oh, see, it makes them... The fact that they only did it once made Who Shot Mr. Burns a big deal. Mm. I think maybe the third or fourth time it might... If you By the third or fourth time, if you're expecting a cliffhanger, it might not feel as special. Yeah, it can make, this, it can make the resolution okay, but it does rob the final episode of some momentum because you know that something's going to happen just like yes by the time you're three seasons into 24 you realize that in the last five minutes of every hour something big's going to happen so you're kind of sitting there waiting for it and it also makes you feel safe in everything else because you're like well nothing unexpected will happen now because they'll be saving it for the end uh nicole demaria writes in she wants to know what movies or tv shows do we watch as guilty pleasures um, she's listed a couple of her own Ru- uh, RuPaul's Drag Race Toast of London Easy A The Evil Dead Mad Max I don't think you need to call Mad Max a guilty pleasure that's just pretty much brilliant um, what the, fi- the film's bad they're not guilty pleasures what's she talking about no RuPaul, RuPaul's Drag Race I classify as a guilty pleasure uh, America's mm. Next Top Model those sorts of reality shows I think are very much guilty pleasures I watch well, mine's Judge Judy <laughs> I well yeah Judge Judy I'll see you're Judge Judy and I'll raise you hot bench Oh, you watched that one. Okay. I, I, I've discovered... I, no, look, Judge Judy is my favourite, but Hot Bench... I think Hot Bench is a worse show than Judge Judy, but I enjoy it Oh, terrible, much. terrible so, show. So that's why I call it a guilty pleasure. <laughs> For people Wait, Have you watched The People's Court? Yeah, 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 of course. That was the one that started it all. Yeah. Anyway, what were you saying about the, about the Hot Bench? I was going to say, for people that are unaware, Hot Bench is like any one of those, you know, plaintiff low petty court thing except there are three judges and they all have their say that's amazing <laughs> uh, is it other well, is it like all women is it men uh, what is it i think it's two women and a man there's a black woman okay. a white blonde woman and a man they should you know what they should do once a year all the three all, all the judges from those shows just combine for one almighty special uh, you know what i would love you know how like c-span will um or cnn will occasionally broadcast live trials yeah. I want um, like a Supreme Court type thing, so where you've got your nine judges, and they're yeah, they're all together, but debating proper legislation, <laughs> but but with every bit <laughs> as much sass as they bring to their, as they bring to TV. Yeah. Ridiculous. <laughs> um, oh, Katie Rees, I'm going to save hers for last because I really really love them. She wants us to do the questionnaire that James Lipton asks his guests on Inside the Actor Studio. So remind me to okay. come back to that. Cool. Um, I will remind you. Thank you. Patrick Kennedy, can you guys cook? And if so, what meals or recipes are your favourites? I'll let you kick off with this one, Mitch. Patrick, You're the chef here. Yes, I can. Uh, I'd say that my favourite is lasagna after having made the sauce from scratch because to do it properly, I feel it takes a good four or five hours. And I like that, you know, I 
uh, my best favorite way to do it would be on a Sunday, make the sauce early, let it sit um, and sort of like, you know, really soak up all of the flavors. And it, it just changes so much over time. And that excites me. Like if you ate it straight away, it would taste one way. If you ate it after five hours, it tastes entirely different. And then I can... It's so amazing that that, that excites you. Yeah, it does. <laughs> and and then... It's I, not a bad thing. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. No. Um, and I can hide cheese in it, which I like. <laughs> <laughs> It's not, it doesn't exist if you, if you can't see it. <laughs> not as much, no. <laughs> um, um, that, yeah, that, that's my favorite thing to make. But in general, yes, I can cook. If I try something, it's going to work. I am pretty good at cooking the, the basics, so like the pasta bakes and things like that. I leave the, the, the decent cooking, like the big stuff to Nicola. She does a great chicken risotto, which I absolutely love. It's my favorite meal of Nicola's. Yep. Me, I cook, I think my pasta bake is sort of my specialty dish. Back in the day, if I was trying to win a heart, I'd make a pasta bake. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's that's pretty much where it stops with Dando. I'm just I'm not a very, what would you say, a very outgoing cook. Yeah, okay. I, I stick with the basics. Yeah, <laughs> I have I have my sandwiches fresh and toasted. Yes. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you know enough about Dungeons and Dragons to answer this one, Thomas Richardson. If we joined or started playing Dungeons and Dragons, what would your choice of race and class be? All I know about Dungeons and Dragons is what I've learned from ET and Stranger Things. Okay. That's it. I don't know anything about the game. I, would lo- I want to know about the game. Mm. I'd love to play. I think we've mentioned on the podcast before that we actually want to meet up with a few listeners and play it. Yeah. So I've always it always it just looks like it'd be fun to play, but I've just a got having enough people to play it with, and b have no idea how to play it. So I'd rather play it with an experienced Dungeons and Dragon player. Yeah. I his follow up was and describe your character. I would like to say intrepid explorer. Have you seen Jumanji yet? Not the new one, no. Well, once you see it, you'll understand is I see myself as your bag carrier. And once you see the film, you'll understand that reference. Okay, then. Uh, Mark Newby, how does it feel? This is actually, we're going to take a moment to get deep here with Four Finger Discount Understands. Mark Newby, how does it how does it feel knowing that you're doing something which, as well as entertaining people, provides a source of comfort and stability for some who have had pretty turbulent lives and who struggle with a variety of illnesses and ailments? I think it's easy to underestimate the joy that any form of art or media can bring to people who are suffering or the importance of it. Uh, does it give us additional, ple- uh, sorry, does it make us feel additional pressure and put you in a position that you weren't expecting it? Or is it gratifying and part of putting yourself out there? I'll let you take the reins. I think what really set it in stone for me was when we started this group on Facebook, it made me realize that people genuinely care about our show. Hmm. It's hard because you get we occasionally get people writing in saying, you know, we got them through a dark times and that's always sort of hard for me to A, understand and B, take because I've never had a podcast have that effect on me. But it's pretty overwhelming when you really sit down and think that someone had no one to talk to but listening to our show got them through that time. That's incredible. It gives me an incredible feeling. Yeah. Yeah, no, same. It, I don't feel any greater pressure because it's not like I'm putting a microphone in front of me and going, right, time to save someone's life. But I guess I'm more, in the time when I reflect on what the what we've done with the show, that's the stuff that I'm proudest of. And and that goes back to what I said earlier about, you know, the 150,000 followers. Yeah, that's great. But it's the, the, the handful of people or growing number of people now who... I've really managed to connect with over the last little bit and who feel this, you know, um, I guess, safety net. Like we, we received another email just this week of someone who was going through a bit of a shitty time with work and it was basically the, or possibly even training, but it was the drive 
to and from listening to us that was able to help them you know reconcile it and get through it and provide a release for them that they don't think they would have got through without it like that that's fucking mind-blowing for me and i'm I'm really thrilled every time i thrilled might even be the wrong word i'm really touched every time i get a message like that we sort of made a decision early on with the podcast that we were going to be as open as possible we weren't going to be playing any characters we're just going to be us we're going to talk about our wives we're going to talk about stuff that happened in our day-to-day lives we're just normal people who are also simpsons fans just like our listeners so we tried to have that personal connection with our listeners. That's what we were going for. And it seems that we've achieved that, which is fantastic. Rob Crasser, when you guys visit the States, what are the differences or quirks that annoy you the most? Other than the shitty leadership. Sorry about that. Is it, did it was it annoy, was it? Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. So what, is, what are some differences between the States and here? Or, or is there anything that we prefer in the States that we don't have um, at home but wish we did? I... I... Didn't like that the prices in a supermarket or wherever you go didn't include tax in, some, in the prices a lot oh, of the time. Yeah, yeah. So you get to the checkout and you'd be like, oh, oh wait, it's this much. Okay. Yeah. That that was annoying. I, I dealt with that um, pretty easily by just not looking at the prices. <laughs> <laughs> just buying it. That way everything was a fun surprise when I got to the checkout. But it, it just meant that I, I would look at the prices and think, all right, this is less than 10. So I'd have a 10 in my hand and then go 11.50. I was like, ah, oh, hmm. okay, now i got to pull my wallet out again. <laughs> I tell you what, I actually wish Australia had tipping because I feel, you, no, not feel like I definitely got a better level of service over there from um, from just general customer service staff because they, they well, knew sh- that Australia does to, have tipping. But but wages, it's not built into wages in Australia. Like you might, they might have a coffee jar or like a jar up the front saying tips, please. But no, everyone's still taking home their pay regardless. It's not the case of like, you don't, you don't get tipped this week and you don't pay your rent, which, you know, it might be brutal for the industry over there, but I think it does kind of give a, a more, um, it, it gives a better level, gets a better level of service at the end of the day. And I also really enjoy the fact that, you know, you can, you can put a smile on someone's face by throwing an extra couple bucks their way. Yeah. Well, you realise you can do that in Australia. They give you good service, though. <laughs> yeah, I know. But how often do you actually get it here? Um, the, the, the problem is in America, I found a, a couple, only a couple of times, but it was sort of the, the our waitress ex, just expected to get the tip and she wasn't really giving us that great of a service. It wasn't. Yeah, okay. She really, literally just took our order and just added 20% to our bill. And I sort of thought... Fine, I'll pay it, but I don't really feel like you deserve it, as opposed to the, yeah. the waiter I had at the restaurant last night, who really went above and beyond. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's fair. Um, the the only, one of the things that would annoy me, and this isn't really a quirk, but you know, coming from Australia, it's a pretty obvious one that I, I look at the states and go, "Geez, could I live here?" And then I think healthcare. Um, that that needs that like you know we're we're very very blessed in this country to have fucking amazing public service healthcare. And to try and think of a more light-hearted quirk, um, I don't know, the fact that any any person I might be looking at in the street might have a gun is a little bit of a, yeah, uh, I, I was, a concern. I was thinking of saying that, but I thought, oh, maybe not, because it sort of sounds a bit ridiculous. But it is, isn't it? When you're not from around there, just the idea that the person right there may have a gun in their pocket, you don't, you don't feel like they're going to shoot you, but it's just knowing... They could if they wanted to. Yeah, 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 exactly. And I've got a bit of a big mouth, so maybe they will. (laughs) Sandy Lester wants to know, what is your craft beer name? Now, the way this is played is you take your grandfather's occupation and a word that you don't entirely understand. Waste perpendicular. (laughs) What perpendicular? 
waist perpendicular. My, my grandfather works at the tip. Oh, wow. Wait, yeah, okay, gotcha. All right, that works. Um, mine is dry cleaners soliloquy. Okay, dry cleaners. <laughs> so Tell me that you wouldn't do you know, that. Did, I, I'd love it. <laughs> uh, Johannes Lohaus has written in. Now, I'll, I'll touch on this, but we have spoken about it. Um, is there something that we would want in another Simpsons game? So he'd love a sequel to Hit and Run, but with the actual open world and character progression system. I reckon we answered that a few episodes back. Yeah. And one that we've also touched on a while ago, um, Al Jean has stated that should The Simpsons ever end, the final episode might be Homer and Marge arriving at the Christmas pageant uh, mm. from Simpsons roasting on an open fire. Do you think that it's a worthy ending to a show? Yes, I do. Um, 100% I, I agree. It's fair, with, it's, yeah. yeah, it makes the show a loop. It's just, it, it really is the perfect ending. <laughs> yeah, it is. I mean, there's con- there'd be continuity problems and that sort of stuff, but, you know, whatever. Deal doesn't with it. Matter. It's just, it doesn't matter. It's yeah. just the poetry of that moment would be beautiful. Oh, fantastic. Um, and I mean, it, you just go a little bit science fiction. Maybe Professor Frink gets them caught in a time loop if you want to absolutely get around continuity problems. <sighs> doesn't doesn't need it. No, uh, I, I don't think it does either, but people get pedantic. Uh, Adam Young, if you killed someone by accident or on purpose, how would you dispose of the body? Asking for a friend. <laughs> Ooh. Um, well, I have been watching a lot of The Sopranos lately. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure they've got some inventive methods. They, they they do like the classic garbage bag with weight tied around it yeah, into yeah, the yeah. river. Um, just call them. Um, call or they do like they they chop they chop off the hands and the feet and anything that can be resemble a give them like a fingerprint or anything. I think they chop off the head as well and just leave, just dispose it in different locations. But I I don't think I could bring myself to dissect a dead body. I don't know. Could you chop off someone's hand? Oh, they're, they're dead, but could you chop off a hand with a with a saw? Uh I don't know. I'm, talk, I'm, to, I'm not talking electric saw. I'm talking hand saw. Hand saw. Just, just the standard saw that you saw through wood. Look, it's like anything. Your first day on the job is going to be awkward, but once you've done it a few times. Yeah, true. <laughs> uh, I, I think Dexter's method of disposal was pretty peaceful. Just a slice of life out on the beach. Uh, sorry, out on the ocean and in the shipping channels. Um, outside of that, maybe I'd take the Patrick Bateman American Psycho approach. Just wrap it in, an, uh, I think it's an Armani like carry case or something <laughs> just so if you happen to bump into someone in the street they don't suspect you of wrongdoing i can actually see you doing that which is scary <laughs> uh dylan haggett um i oh, just uh, a principal with an unfortunate name deputy principal had the surname sander cock but all the kids were instructed to say sander co um sander co no 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 no, no. you definitely <laughs> can't be co at the end of sander like that's not how that works it's, and it's just bringing more attention to the name. <laughs> well, yeah, that's true. You should have just gone, you know, Santa Cock. <laughs> just, yeah. just, just, just own it, mate. Just own it. <laughs> yeah. or, or put an apostrophe over the O, so that way it's not spelled rudely. And <laughs> Santa <be> Cuke. <laughs> um, so, do you want? Did you want to get into um to Katie Ray's? No, we'll get to that. I've got enough time we'll to get to that. Okay, squeeze in a few. Cool. Um, Let's do it then. Alad uh, Rees, as a common nerd, he likes space, and there's a show in the UK called Stargazing Live. Last year, they took the show to Australia, and there was uh, Alad and his wife uh, Katie were stunned to see that after travelling for hours and hours and hours uh, from the coast, they'd moved, like they showed a map and they've moved this little blip, and it made them realise just how big Australia is. What yeah. is the longest road trip you've ever taken? Would have been when I was nine. It was nineteen ninety nine, so I would have been held eleven. Yeah, eleven. Yep. Uh, my family trip. We drove continuously without stopping. My mum and dad just changed drivers from Geelong to uh, Surface Paradise. Twenty one and a half straight hours. Yeah, that's pretty long. So, I 
went a bit further when I moved up to live with my now wife, Ash. At the time, she was my future wife. Um, the Mackay, Geelong to Mackay, which is about 30 hours with a mm-hmm. five-hour stop uh, on the Sunshine Coast. So we did Geelong to the Sunshine Coast, my mate and I, overnight, um, which was, yeah, 21 or something like that. And that's another nine, I think, to Mackay. Um, when I pulled in to the Sunshine Coast, I had taken so much caffeine um, and maybe one or two dexamphetamines to stay awake <laughs> stay awake through the evening drive because what had happened is I left on a Friday and I had a job starting the Monday. So I, I didn't have the luxury of taking my time. Um, but when I got there, it was about like 6 a.m. and I'm laying down in my nan's spare room trying to sleep and all this stuff is just coursing through my body. It was like the scene at the beginning of Apocalypse Now where I'm just laying there <laughs> looking at this fucking ceiling fan that sounded like a Chinook helicopter just ready to like punch a mirror and do some martial arts shit in the corner because I could not sleep for the life of me. Well, that's when doing the road trips, it gets you when it's at night time and there's nothing to look at. Or even during the day when you're out in the middle of nowhere, which Australia is in the centre, when there's nothing to look at, it just kills you, man. It just that's when that's when I nearly fell asleep when we were driving to Condobolin. Yeah. There's just nothing there. Yeah, it's rough. I the Bruce Highway is the same. It's just fucking relentless bush. Yep. <laughs> relentless is a great it's word to describe the Australian outback. <laughs> I was going to say relentless bush is a great name for a seventies porno. <laughs> that is a porn star name I've ever heard. Or, or like one of those porn stroke horror movies. Like the attack of the relentless bush. <laughs> have you seen blood sucking freaks? No, I haven't. Well, I oh, you sh- you need to watch that. <laughs> I haven't. Uh, I haven't seen that or um, lesbian vampire killers. Um, David Nayer. Uh, he, well, he's just written in with one of his own memories. It was a question, but we've kind of covered it anyway. His memory from when this episode went to where uh, the Who Shot Mister Burns episodes went to. Air. Yeah, yeah, next week. Yep. Um, so in Canada, The Simpsons played on the local station on Monday evenings. However, it was shown on Fox on in the US on Sundays. So the only way to get that at the time was to have it was to pay to have it descrambled on cable. His dad had just paid to purchase Fox after the kid's insistence, so we got to see the conclusion before most of his friends. I remember being yeah. at school and having to keep my mouth shut and shut not to ruin the ending for everyone. You are a good man, David, for doing the right thing. Yes. Yeah. That, that's that's pretty cool though, man. How times have changed, eh? Yeah. Uh, Cal McDonald, of all of the, the speed round before we get to Katie's question. Cal McDonald, of all of the jobs in the show that Homer has had, what would be your personal favourite? Personal favourites, I think I, I do like Beer Baron. That's a funny one. Yes, Beer Baron. Even is, it's not really a job. Beer Baron is great. I'm going to go Krusty the Clown. Yep. Okay. Cool. Both great episodes. Uh, do Timothy Belson? Uh, is curious if we listen to any other Simpsons podcasts. If so, which and if not, why? I don't because I don't want to get caught up in that. What are they doing? What am I doing? Blah blah blah. I'd rather just let uh, this do, be what it is. Exact same reason because I, I would I know I just wouldn't be able to help myself. I would say, oh, they're doing that. Maybe we should do it as well. I'd rather just stick to what we're doing. Yes. Uh, Pat Wright, maybe in this hypothetical dando, you and I are both single. Would you watch your parents have sex if it meant you could have sex with your celebrity crush? Fuck yeah. Yes. Yeah, happily. <laughs> I would help them have sex if it meant that. <laughs> I would film it for them. <laughs> By the way, who is your celebrity crush? Uh, it's hard to go past Scarlett Johansson. Okay, cool. Fair enough. Yours? Drew Barrymore. Ah, oh, yeah, of course. I think you've answered that before, actually. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, there is one final one. I always suck at answering this type of question before we get to Katie. Uh 
do we have a specific Simpsons quote that you use in everyday life? My Mine is, I won't say I'll try, but I'll try to try. Whenever I say the word yes or a word that sounds like the word yes, I copy Mr. Burns. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Or it's guess, geth. Like, I, I, I just always say it like that. Yeah. It sounds ridiculous, but I do. <laughs> that question was from Lanny Cohn, by the way. Mine, um, oh, you know one that p- comes up a lot actually is, uh, then we're all happy. Um, yep. Just with that, you know, it's like, are you happy? Jeeves. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So just if anyone says like, I'll appropriate, appropriate that to like, how are you, mate? Yeah, good. How are you? Good. Then we're all good. That kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, so Katie, so Dando, I'm going to ask these to you, and it's a, this is okay. this has to be off the top of your head answers, okay? So like right, free then. mind. Well, uh, how many questions are there? Uh, ten, but okay. they're, but they're quick. Free association, and then I will do mine. Question one: What is your favourite word? To say it would be moist. <laughs> what is your least favourite word? Hate. What turns you on creatively, spiritually, or emotionally? Seeing people laugh. What turns you off? Seeing people smoke. What is your favourite curse word? Horseshit. But but you got to say it properly <laughs> though. Like horseshit, shit. <laughs> you got to be like a Western. Oh, horseshit, yeah. shit, or or she. <laughs> what sound or noise do you love? What sound? People, oh, same again, people laughing. Okay, what sound or noise? Or the sound, or I, could, I could say something different, the sound of rain laying in bed. Okay, yep. And what sound or noise do you hate? A baby crying. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Wouldn't be any good at it, but I'd love to have been an AFL footballer. Cool. What profession would you least like to do? Uh, ambulance, working with people yeah, going right. to car accidents. I just couldn't do it. Yep, nice. That's deep. And number 10, if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Yes, we have chicken salt. <laughs> um, Katie's answer for that question, for the record, is you're on stage in five, Miss Long. Um, no. <laughs> okay, so I will go Would you like me to ask the question? Ask the question? I don't know. I don't they are. <laughs> so uh, I can't ask them can you, you. <laughs> okay, so well, can you, are you on Facebook? Can you jump on the page? Oh, it's, in, oh, it's on your, your post in the group, is yep. it? Yeah, it's on my post. Okay, give us a second. I'll just find it. Hang on. Ah, yes, here we go. All okay. right, I've got them. Categories. All right, number one. Number one. What is your favourite food? Oh, sorry, fucked it up. What is your favourite... <laughs> you did the joke. <laughs> I'm reading it from the screen. I fucked well, it up. Though. Yeah. What is your favourite word? Befuddled. What is your least favourite word? Lame. As in anyone describing something as being lame without having really given it any thought. What turns you on creatively, spiritually, or emotionally? I think doing something that I've never done before. Um, so be that an acting role that, you know, is is something that I haven't tried or podcasting because that was something I've never tried. But basically anything new. Mm-hmm. What turns you off? Anything that I feel is derivative of something else. What is your favourite curse word? Motherfucker. <laughs> it's a great word, isn't it? It is. <laughs> Samuel L. Jackson motherfucker though? Yeah, yeah. It's specifically yeah. spoken by him. <laughs> <laughs> what sound or noise do you love? Um, I really like the sound of a duck's quack, like just an angry duck. Like, (laughs) (laughs) get back to work, Stuart. (laughs) What sound or noise do you hate? 
the sound of a DVD, like a or Blu-ray, a loose disc rattling inside the case that I just bought. Oh, fuck! It drives me insane. Sitting there, it's because going, the little tab's broken, right? Yeah, yeah. Just you get it home and you go, "You son of a bitch." <laughs> <laughs> uh, number eight. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Beer baron. Uh, no, um, <laughs> I would really. Oh, and I'd say actor, but that's a little bit obvious. I'd really like mm. to run my own bar. Yeah, yeah, a successful. What type? What kind of? What kind of bar? Like a speakeasy, something like you know, dingy. Think New York, somewhere where you'd come in at ten thirty for a scotch. Like a hipster Moe's? Not so much hipster. I don't want hipster. I want people with real problems coming to drink quietly. And you've got the towel over your shoulder and everything. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And that there's a knowing look, a nod. I share their. I share their concerns, but it can go unspoken if it has to. What profession would you just not like to all, do? Sorry, and I was going to say just so, always yeah. with a tea towel in hand, drying the bed. <laughs> Cleaning a glass? No, drying the bar. What profession would I not like to do? Would you not like to do? Yeah. Um, um, sanitation worker? I don't think yeah, I could that would handle be the fun, smell. Would it? Yeah. Sanitation worker or specifically the one that has to clean the toilets? Um, anything to do with it. Cleaner in a hotel would be tough. Think of the... Like, people would just do disgusting shit. I feel terrible when I do a shit at work and then know the cleaner's going in there like 15 minutes later to <laughs> clean it. <laughs> the fact that you do it and at your desk is a big problem. <laughs> yes, a, that is. That's yes. not helping. It's hard to vacuum. Finally, if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? You're a little late. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> I beat the system. <laughs> <laughs> so, I hope that's that wrapped up the mailbag, doesn't that, Mitch? That you wraps no up the mailbag. That's a pretty good note to go out on. Well, I hope you all enjoyed this special 150th episode spectacular. It's not over yet. We've still got our little snippet from our Bill Oakley interview that we did for our book, Homer's Odyssey and Big and Simpsons Guide. Well, Mitch, uh, it's been 150, what, nearly three years, 150 episodes. Did yeah. you think we are going to make it this far? Um... Well, I mean, early on, no. Not, it's not that I didn't, but I didn't think, yes, we will. It was just a case of, well, we'll see if people listen to it. Yeah, it wasn't a case of I didn't think we could, could do it. I just didn't think people would want us to do it. People wouldn't be there listening. That's yeah. what I thought. Yeah, I was like, this could be a, a two-month-long experiment. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> but it's turned into three, nearly three years of a hell of a lot of fun. Yes, certainly has. It's only going to be more fun to be had. Thank you all for your support over the last three years, too. We couldn't have done it without you all. You're all amazing. Uh, stay tuned for our little snippet from our Bill Oakley interview but for now for the 150th time Mitch any final words for the listeners just get yourselves to Big Roddy's guys if you're in Brisbane and if you're not fly up there because they are amazing supporters of the show and they're helping us do some really great things this year take it away Bill I, I had one other question that I was curious about you mentioned 22 short films in Springfield and I've, I think I've seen you on record as saying that Skinner is one of your favourite characters the steamed hams scene um, that, I think that goes for about two minutes or so. I'm wondering how long that actually took to write because every line in that is so refined and there's not a wasted syllable. Uh, it took a, one day for me to write. It took a, an afternoon for me to write. Like it was really, I, I actually really wanted to write Chalmers. It wasn't Skinner. It was, I think that I, you probably have heard on the DVD commentary is the story of that episode, but it was, we loved that thing that they did at the end of the episode, the front where they had the adventures of Ned Flanders. Mm. You remember that? And it yeah, was just yeah, like yeah. one joke, one joke thing. 
we thought that was so funny. And the only reason they ever did that was because that episode came in so short. And we yeah. never had that problem because our episodes always came in way too long. So finally, someone came up with the bright idea of let's just do a whole episode of those shorts and tie them all together. And it was around the time that Pulp Fiction came out and we realized we could kind of have a story that kind of wove them all together a little bit. Um, and then all the writers got to choose – everybody got to choose their top three characters and and write um, – and then we did something where we drew them out of the hat. I don't remember how it worked, but uh, my – I only wanted to write Chalmers because I loved all those things that had come before where Chalmers had – you know, Skinner would lie to him and Chalmers would object briefly and then fall, and then believe it. And I just wanted to do a whole sequence of those things. Um, I think it took a while to come up with the idea – but then it just, I think it all kind of unfolded real quickly uh, because the thing about that episode, that St. Hams is there's not really any traditional jokes in there. You know, like there's not jokes like Homer getting hit on the head and going dough <laughs> or, you know, or Bart call, calling Mo and, and giving some gag. Like it, it, there's very little. And I was actually afraid when I heard it in that people were going to say there's nothing funny about this. <laughs> and because there isn't anything traditionally funny about it it's just not it's like nine i think as ken said it's 13 interconnected lies that just become more and more preposterous but like it really is devoid of what you'd call traditional jokes yeah it's very very stripe-faced like the um yeah it's an albany expression that sort of yeah that's why i'm so surprised that it's taken off and that it's gotten so popular over the years like at the time again this is a perfect example of like the whole internet thing and uh, the inter- the show having a second life due to the internet and also people having grown up on it because I don't recall anybody ever talking to me about Steam Tams for at least the first 10 years after it aired. So, like, I don't think any, I don't recall anybody even noticing it. And it's only with the, with the, you know, internet and, and people taking on this kind of meme life of its own has it really taken off. Do you think it might help that people have become more accust- accustomed to watching TV comedy without laugh tracks? So they kind of... That's a scene where a traditional sitcom audience might need to be told where to laugh and might get a little bit lost. Whereas now, with shows like Arrested Development, Community Parks and Recreation, and all that sort of thing, people are more able to find the joke themselves. I think that's definitely possible. That people are willing, at least a larger proportion of people, are willing to appreciate comedy that doesn't have traditional setup punchline rhythms, you know? Shh.